record closing highs so far for the day. Blasting through a ceiling. In a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. As the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? Seventh of November, the year 2023. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. One of my favorites. Ken, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Nyambura. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening, and I'm looking forward to a wonderful show. 98.4 Capital FM. This is the Financial Forecast, a show that delves into matters, economy, finance, forecasting as well, and money matters. And we are on the first week of November again. <laughs> Sorry for that. I, last week I noticed it was way much darker. So I don't know if at all you're having is it the longer days, shorter nights, or the other way around. Uh, it has also come with the rains. Uh, uh, so it has been raining. And the last week has been flood season. I don't know if it's El Nino that is now coming in. Uh, but, uh, well, we are happy for the rains. Uh, Nyambura Ndongo, alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. Welcome to Financial Forecast. Um, albeit, we can't do much on the international pricing of petroleum, which has soared from a $70 to $80 to $90. And I read an article in the Financial Times the other day because of the Hamas and uh, Israeli war. That freight, uh, sorry, that the international prices could go up to $150. And that would literally mean our products going to a high of 300 shillings uh, per liter at the pump. We hope it doesn't get there. Ken, that was our energy CS, Chirchir, who has caused quite an uproar this week and has given Kenyans much alarm. And I know we are going to demystify or listen to what he said in a larger scope later in the show. But uh, you're listening to us on 98.4 Capital FM, and you can catch us online at www.capitalfm.co.ke slash listen live. For your comments, your feedback, your questions, you can get us on our WhatsApp line. That is 0701-984-984 on our socials, Facebook, X, it's at Capital FM Kenya, hashtag financial forecast. And as you set in and start your new week you can take time and get to have your weekly monday weekly report brought to us by mentoria economics and you can subscribe by going to www.mentoria.co.ke ken let us start matters abroad and we started actually last 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 week, we discussed how the Feds were having a meeting last week on Tuesday, a time like this. So we had a few expectations, a bit of forecasting. So what was the outcome of the meeting? Yes, we certainly did some forecasting. And you remember our expectation was that the Fed would hold interest rates um, after 11 successive rate hikes since March 22, 2022. Uh, we were of the view last week that uh, the Fed would uh, retain 
interest rates. And I think uh, Nyamburu should also congratulate us. I think the last three <laughs> weeks we've gotten our, <laughs> our, our, our forecasts right. So yeah. I think you, you need to be having some cookies uh, <laughs> around well, here. Yeah, we need to toast to that. <laughs> but yeah, but that indeed was a decision, uh, as was expected. Um, obviously, the balance of risks really is to the point of looking at the American economy, which had a very good third quarter, yeah. grew by 3.9%. Uh, but on a contradictory note, people feel the consumer confidence numbers have been coming down. Yes. So that's one thing economists have been trying to unpack. If the numbers are so rosy on paper, where are the consumer confidence levels are dipping? So those are some of the things that uh, we're sort of unpacking right now. Ken, when you say the consumer index, at some point we would think it's such a very broad thing that there's a whole... Can you break it down to... Is it that the consumer is feeling I am not satisfied with the services that I'm getting? Or what does that mean? Yeah, this is a pretty important survey. It's tends to be done by the University of Michigan where every once a month um, they call about, I think, about 5,000 households. Okay. And um, they ask you, Nyambura, how do you feel about the state of the economy? Um, reasons? Is it better? Is it worse? It's a pretty brief um, survey okay. uh, done by telephone interviews. And uh, it's used as a gauge. And I think it's a pretty important gauge that we also need to consider having here in Kenya because it gives you a scientific... <laughs> A scientific measure instead of having to use anecdotes yeah you actually now have a scientific bias and it's very important in um, monetary policy so that is how it was i think a lot of people are concerned about the israel okay. situation what that will mean um, for the global politics global security and that seems to be the worrying thing and i think people feel that might affect um, how the global economy plays out and naturally affect the American economy. So I think those are parts of the reasons where that those numbers are dipping quite a bit. And I think having that, we discussed this last week and we said that, you know, for the U.S. economy, for them, when they say the GDP is actually improving, there's a direct correlation to somebody's pocket. So if the consumer uh, indices are showing that the consumer is not happy, then I think there seems to be a disconnect in terms of what the papers are saying and what the person at home is actually feeling, which I think we still noted there's a disconnect in terms of, again, what is said out in the markets and also here in Kenya, when we say our GDP, like this year, was expected to grow 5.5%. But when we look at the situation on the ground, things are so hard, Ken, and later we're also going to be seeing that unemployment and all this, like people are really hurting. So <clears throat> I think um, something that needs to also be looked at is maybe why the consumer feels, um, and I don't know if at all it was part of what they discussed. Absolutely. A part of it had to do with the high interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, mortgage rates have gone up, uh -huh. so people are servicing more. So the disposable income people had for uh, your dinners outside, right. your treats, that amount has reduced. And even if you look at the diaspora remittances coming to Kenya, I looked at uh, the American numbers. They've really dipped. Dip. Mm -hmm. So it tells you even the Kenyans in the U.S. who would um, were the biggest senders of 
remittance to Kenya are also feeling the brunt of the high interest rate regime. So I think the combination of high interest rates and that evolving situation with Israel, yep. in that survey, those came, came out as the top two okay. um, concerns. Uh, exactly a year from now, there are going to be elections. And I was reading um, that the new polls show that Trump has led Biden in four key swing states. So is that also part of, <laughs> is that also contributing to the uh, maybe the, the the consumers are quite unhappy on the Biden side I don't know <laughs> well, 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 I mean you're absolutely spot on in the sense that it's um one year exactly yeah um the second Tuesday of November okay. um will be the elections of the United States and the poll that the latest poll really has uh, Donald Trump ahead yeah. uh, by between four to ten basis points in the five out of the in five out of the six swing states so there you have um, Arizona you have Georgia Michigan Nevada Pennsylvania those are the swing, the swing states, states that really determine and Biden is only ahead in Wisconsin so there is that understanding that the political landscape is changing it's definitely going to have um, an effect um, obviously issues are such as on israel when israel issues become big you, you find um, the right wing All tend right. to be quite uh, strong on that particular feeling so it's 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 it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting time evolving because all these political events will eventually morph into economic yes. um, events which we must Unpack. look out for and we can see that is going to be some of the things that are leading up to the elections next year so is there anything we're looking forward to this week uh, uh, so this week uh, is actually very data light okay. not much um, there is just some trade data coming out okay. uh, there'll be comments from other fed officials who will give their take you know last week we heard from jerome powell yeah the chair the governor um, this week we'll hear from the other other members. So just be a bit more clarity on the decision that was made. Uh, but it's a what you call a data light mm -hmm. uh, week uh, from that. So from a trader's perspective, it's not a very uh, aggressive week. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, going <clears throat> across into Europe, sorry. Uh, we had guests last week and uh, Germany was also in our neighboring country. But we are seeing that there's going to be, okay, there is recession in Europe. And can, I, I'm trying to figure out, on one side of the globe, the Americas, it's doing amazing in terms of, well, the GDP, everything, the economy is growing. But at the same time, we, we still have the contradiction in terms of the people and uh, what they feel. But at the same time in Europe, they're facing recession why so different um, outcomes and they are very key economic players that's a very powerful observation Nanyambo, right? and it, indeed it's a stuck in contrast across the Atlantic we've just talked of third quarter numbers in the US hitting 3.9% much much better than what was expected um, in the UK in the Europe, you're looking at a contraction of 0.1%. Um, obviously, interest rates have played a big role in slowing down Europe. 
but from a philosophical perspective it almost feels america is ahead in what? terms of monetary policy because even if you look at the global financial crisis america came out fast europe had, had to go seat. into a deep yeah. problem before uh, they followed the american path so it 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 i think for a keen student of um, economic history it's it's quite surprising because you'd imagine the founders of economics were european <laughs> the adam smiths the david ricardos yes the hume you know, all these are European. So who's dropping of, the ball? Of, but I think American investment in economic thinking uh-huh. over the last 100 years have been has been quite significant. You know, even things such as, you know, stimulus, things such as the Phillips curve, the dual mandate, all these are things that have evolved from the United States. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the universities with the most numbers of Nobel laureates in economics, they tend to be in the United States. So I think there's been a deeper investment intellectually and it's playing out now socially. And I think that's one of the reasons that it it just feels like America has more tools to play with uh, than than, than Europe. So I think it's it's, it's quite fascinating uh, because one would imagine are somewhat different but yeah that, that indeed is the case so the key drivers for this recession still the high interest rates i know the mortgages are still very high but is there anything else that is leading to this well inflation also is quite ah. high it's really creeping up uh there was a survey uh in spain that showed 23 percent of spaniards are really worried about the cost of living mm. so it's something that's playing out not just economically but socially uh, 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 and the lack of the labor market is not as strong as in the United States. So I think those um, inflation and high interest rates okay. will continue to be uh, the key drivers. Obviously, you have a Russia-Ukraine war uh, in there. Part of Europe has been dependent on Russian energy, yeah. and they are trying to um, win themselves off that. So that also, unlike in America, that is energy dependent, independent, and has its own it doesn't have to depend on on russia so those are some right. of the things uh that have made the american economy more resilient and i think yes. countries need to start asking themselves how resilient are we in fact we need something like a resilient index that yeah. that you can say in world war three are we food secure are we energy secure those are some of the things that should be concerning governments a lot and when we look at those those things that we food secure, it would it would be fed by what we are meant to be growing or what is driving the economy in an ideal form. Okay, I can tell you for sure, the markets are uh, not responding well because all the major indices are on the red. Uh, all the commodities are also on the red. That is the energy, the metals, and agriculturally. Would we have possible idea as to why? Because last week, things were not so bad, and um, then the report was read by the feds, and then now we're just seeing red signs. Well, I think um, in as much as, as, as I've said, the fed decided not to raise interest rates. Yeah, just maintained it. In the last meeting, uh-huh. there was still the fear that they might hold the current rates 
for too long. Okay. Remember, rates right now are at the highest point in 22 years. So yes, they did not increase, they did not add more pain, but people feel that they might maintain it. Um, so any discussion of a rate cut yes. has been considered to be premature. So I think markets are realizing, okay, that will still mean that people's purchasing power will be weak. So most of the commodities are dipping. But still there are other factors that are coming into play, particularly the food commodities, yes. things around El Nino. Uh -huh. El Nino is playing out. Um, the Chinese economy, China is a big uh, purchaser of uh, commodities and also the Middle East war, how that will affect fuel yeah. prices. Mm -hmm. Those are, seems to be the three uh, three cornerstones okay. of our thinking about commodities moving forward. And you have raised something to do with the agricultural commodities and I was reading on our Capital FM our business website that Indonesia has greatly been affected by El Nino and has affected also their rice production. So are we seeing this playing out uh, in terms of what they export, in terms of what we are meant to receive, in terms of Indonesia and that side of uh, Asia? It will have an impact on the rice markets. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you'll see that tightening supply will mean uh, the higher prices. In some places, it's not been as disastrous, like in Brazil, that's also being um, part of the El Nino phenomenon. Uh, we are seeing sugar prices, sugar plantations have actually still continued despite the El Nino, yeah. and actually they're coming down. So how it plays out globally uh, might be a bit different, but definitely, generally thinking, uh, El Nino will be one of the key determinants of um, any, any price shocks yeah. that we see. So, <coughs> sorry, Ken, I was rained on terribly <laughs> last night. Eh? And Linda got you. <laughs> and I was thinking since, you know, I'm a hardcore, <laughs> I'm used to this weather. I thought I'd cheat the rain, but I'm having a slight cough. <laughs> and uh, so I'm getting a bit of an allergy. Coming in to Africa, there's the annual summit that is meant to be happening later in South Africa. And I think I remember reading this in, it must have either been GHC in primary school <laughs> or history in high school. <laughs> I think that is <laughs> revealing my age, but Agoa, uh, there's a, the Agoa meeting that is meant to be happening later in South Africa. So you can tell us what is Agoa, what it stands for, and its impact to Africa and why they're meeting in South Africa. I mean, we just had the other meeting for BRICS happening in South Africa. Is it that South Africa seems to be a key stronghold for maybe the African market? And that is why they choose South Africa? Okay. No, very good questions. Um, and indeed, AGO is a phrase that is used all round and uh, sometimes people don't understand the yeah. history behind it. Mm -hmm. So AGOA stands for the Africa Growth and uh, Opportunity Act. This was an act that was passed in the year 2000 during the Bush administration. And the whole idea of it is to try and create a market okay. for African produce. There had been a thinking that the trade balance between the US and Africa was very imbalanced in the sense that uh, we're importing a lot, but they're not buying 
our thing. So that was uh, sort of like a, a response to that. So out of the 54 countries, we have about uh, 35 countries are members of GOA. Uh -huh. um, it started primarily with some of the fuel products that has reduced quite a bit. Quite. Nowadays, it's um, other products. Agricultural produce has been tough because of the very high standards um, uh, America has in terms of uh, what they can take in okay. from the Food and Drug Administration, which is the body uh, that yes. oversees yeah. uh, importation and administration. Now, that said, countries have benefited. Think of some of the Mercedes-Benz that mm. you see in the United States are assembled in South Africa. Um, some of the jeans, I don't know what your favorite brand of jeans <laughs> are, but I'm sure when you go to the US, you see the Levi's, yeah, yeah. the True Religion, mm -hmm. all those brands. Many of them made in South actually Africa. Be, no, actually done right here uh, in the yes. suburbs of Nairobi. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so Ni South Africa, Nigeria, and Kenya have been the biggest exporters. exporters. Um, there's a feeling that for you to take advantage of that market, um, you need to have strong export credentials, okay. strong production, which is the challenge Africa has. We tend to be more importers. Yes. So we've not really. So the countries that have, like South Africa, that have an industrial base that can put up together Mercedes Benz, okay. those ones have done um, extremely well. Um, what has it, where was, where was it in South Africa? That was an interesting question because. South Africa has been sort of blowing hot and cold in terms yes. of the global geopolitics. Sometimes with Russia, <laughs> remember the story where they were supplying arms to Russia. So I don't know. I think they are sort of playing uh, geopolitics on each other. So maybe the West needs Af South Africa to be very, very, a statement for them to be very, very um, direct. I hear yeah, they I say think. it's never personal, it's strictly business. business. <laughs> so <laughs> you're seeing either side <laughs> when, right. when, when your country is benefiting. Are you okay? Yeah, no, absolutely. So in a sense, uh, it expires in September 2025 and there has been that um, desire by okay. some countries to extend it um, into by another 10 years, okay. which the Biden ad administration um, is fond of and okay. have expressed confidence. That they're the going to renew though, it. Uh -huh. is countries like Kenya yeah. have been trying to get bilateral agreements with the U.S., direct bilateral, right. uh, particularly during the Trump administration. There was a big push uh -huh. towards how can Kenya and U.S. have the first true bilateral relationship that can define other African countries and you know countries were saying you know why should Kenya choose yeah. that path and not yeah, Agoa maybe, so that was have a go, yes. exactly so that has always been a push and pull <laughs> multilateralism versus bilateralism okay um, so that has played out and you can even find um, even that direct bilateral has sort of taken sort of like a, a backseat in, in a sense so those are some of the dynamics that have been sort of playing out and much of it will be determined one year from today in that american election you'll find that also affects trade you find right. the democrats tend to be very strong on multilateralism okay uh, the conservatives so the republicans mm -hmm. tend to favor a lot of bilateral relationships so that election itself will also determine you know the fate of trade 
African growth Africa. opportunity. Yes. But we've seen our president also making quite a number of trips. And uh, we also saw um, a comment that he was given by the U.S. ambassador in Kenya. She does not speak much. And she said that Kenya is actually the place that you need to go and invest in. So I think when we, <laughs> we are making a lot of progress, and I think uh, at this particular point, I can say bilateralism. Is it? <laughs> is the way I'm seeing Kenya going, and America is actually warming up to it. So, wait and see how. But they've already said that they're, they're going to be uh, renewing. And then, is it like a straight 10 years? Uh, well, uh, Biden has only expressed, oh, he's expressed. Um, his personal okay. opinion. This I has, has to, to go, go to, to Congress. the House of Representatives, okay. the Senate. Okay. It has to go through the lower house and the upper house. Uh, but definitely um, his suasion yes. can play a big role in how the, that voting um, takes place. And is this affected by now that we are having BRICS coming on board? I mean, are those some of the factors that they're going to be looking into? Because, I mean, as Africans, now we are really keen. We are now towards the east once in a while. So... How does that play out for them? I think it will be a big decision point. I think there are two big uh, themes that are playing out in the background. Number one, you have a slowdown in Europe and China. And these have been traditional markets for African mm. produce. So farmers in Kenya, you have avocado farmers might say, okay, America is growing. Yeah. Let's join Agoa. Uh, but to your point, there's also a lot of push on intra-African trade. Yes. Why are we not doing a lot of Egypt and Kenya, butter trade or not, yes. why are we not doing that? So I think part of their thinking is to try and encourage them to still consider global trade in as much as intra-African trade has a big opportunity. And as you were introducing Agoa, you said that one of the key things that um, highlighted what America was getting from Africa was mostly to do with oil but no food products. And now that oil is now in the Middle East and we have seen how America is keen in all these wars and I'm sure they also have their own interest. What would be their interest in renewing this agreement? Well, I think they want to keep those trade corridors alive. Number okay. one, America is very keen that China has made very huge inroads yes. uh, in Africa, uh -huh. infrastructure-wise, trade-wise. Um, China has been Africa's largest trading partner for the last seven years in a row. So definitely it's in America's interest to uh -huh. show that we're also a big market. We are a bigger market. And I think that is a pool that they want to, particularly at a time when African countries are also struggling yes. and they need to find produce. I think for them it's it's sort of like an opportunity to rebuild that relationship that has in a sense been overtaken you have discussed about the butter agreement with egypt and we are going to be discussing that right after the break it's time for a brief 98.4 capital fm good evening this is the financial forecast a show that delves to seek into matters economy finance and money matters nyambura ndongo alongside ken gishinga chief economist mentoria economics now, before we went into our break, Ken, uh, you brought up the matter of 
butter agreements and Agoa coming up. And uh, we have seen that Egypt has uh, asked Kenya uh, if at all it can butter its tea for anything produced as the dollar shortage hurts and the inability to pay for imports. Can Those are very weighty uh, reasons. One, it is a the statement by itself is weighty because Kenya is uh, Egypt is asking Kenya to butter. And I'll ask this a little bit later. So there is the butter agreement, the question for it, and the reason being the dollar shortage and the inability to pay for imports. Now, we still have butter agreements that are still active in this day and age, considering that we do not have that free market, and I put the free in quotes, are they still happening? Uh, and having that there's a dollar shortage in terms of Egypt, and they are smack in the middle of the Is Israel-Hamas war, then are we going to be able to benefit from them? Is it something that is going to work? Tell us. Very interesting uh, developments there, Nyambura. And indeed, uh, butter trade, uh, going back to into monetary history, is at the very foundation of trade. Even if you look at traditional African societies, way before we could mint um, any coins, the means of trading was butter, where communities would meet mm -hmm. and exchange their cowrie oh, shells for yeah. their honey True. and for such products. Now, this is a very interesting proposition uh, by Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, it shows that there's a lot of thinking out of the box that's starting to happen as the dollar shortage continues to bite. But it might not play out in the way Egypt expects. You see, a few weeks ago, Egypt did a currency swap with well, the UAE. Yeah. And that was pretty standard because they have a very strong trade relationship. Egypt buys a lot of things from the UAE, from the UAE. and the UAE buys a lot of things from, from, Egypt. Um, from Egypt. So in a way, uh, you could es escape the need of having uh, the global reserve currency, which is a dollar. Yeah. However, that's not really the case with Kenya. And that's not to say we don't have a trade relationship, mm. but the main trade relationship that we have between Egypt and Kenya is around tea. Okay. Tea is one of the big markets. But the reason Kenya sells tea is to get dollars. True. That's like the primary reason. Right. And for Egypt, it works very well because Egypt is one of the biggest markets for Kenyan tea. Remember, <coughs> I'll tell you when I lived in Cairo and I used to tell them I'm from Kenya, yeah. the only thing they could say was chai, was ah, chai, good chai. So they know Kenyan tea very well. So nice. for them, it makes sense because it's something they consume. Yeah. So for us to find something that we consume as much, because you see, what we are, when we sell our teas, exactly. we're looking for dollars yes. so we can buy other things. Yes, we, there are things that we import, um, manufactured items, um, some plastics uh, so that them. we get from from Egypt, but the main trade relationship with Kenya and Egypt is to get the dollars, the dollars right. which can prop up uh, our currency. And if okay. you don't get that, so Kenyan officials may not be as enthusiastic okay. about that proposal because our shilling is under pressure. Yeah. We need dollars yeah. to prop up the shilling. 
and you're telling us <laughs> you don't have dollars. So it's it's it'll be a pretty tricky time trying to convince the Kenyan officials about that arrangement. Okay. But it's tough because Egypt is one of our biggest markets. It's not a market that you can just ignore exactly and say we'll focus on Pakistan and Iran. It is one of the main. So I think uh, lots of hard thinking, but it it tells us also from an FX perspective. They're going to be very exposed. If at all Egypt is complaining that they're having a shortage of dollars, Egypt, who <laughs> not to a very key economy, right? And they have, I think, part of the black gold, right? So they have access to it. If at all they are feeling this shortage, then I would think on us uh, way much down to the east it is even way more crucial and less considering we are you said net importers net importers so i can see th- the conversation might, might be actually quite a difficult one at the at the table but let me throw a spanner in the works again could we still butter with with a country like nigeria then well, butter works when um, both countries yeah. produce items that are useful yeah. to each. So you have to ask, what are Kenya's exports right. to Nigeria and what are Kenya's imports? Fewer. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> we import from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, part of the G2G. Yeah, it's, it's that has nothing to do with Nigeria. So that, yeah. and, and I think that's at the foundation of how our economics has maybe gone wrong, mm-hmm. that we don't produce enough stuff that is interesting to the world, to that Africa. Yeah. And Africans don't produce enough stuff to that is interesting to, to us. Wow. And that's why I think trade has been very limited. And I think that's why the constant message wow. I have for Kenya and for Africa, yeah. if there's nothing that I've said over the last three seasons, yes. is we need to get production in these countries up and about because when you produce things then now you have things that are useful to people but if you're constantly importing you see like right now we are net importers of uh wheat yeah we import 95 percent of our our wheat wheat. so now if we were net exporters of wheat egypt which is a big import of wheat will be buying from from us us. so we need to get africa and kenya on production because when you have production then you have things that you can trade wow. and you can actually build more resilience. I think that message, I think, has become so true. And on the issue of currency, yeah. you know, we always talk about what will replace the dollar in the global dynamic. And I've said this and in many other platforms, yeah. the currency that wants to um, take over from the dollar Dominic. has uh-huh. to be a country that pr- is innovative, producing stuff because the strength of your currency is in the strength of how innovative and how productive right. is your country what so you're not, selling out exactly so it's okay. not just a matter of saying the dollar has dominated yeah but people saying okay this is an alternative it? currency but how much of that country is in in terms of innovation in terms of technology in terms of so that's why i keep saying it may not be as hard as easy yeah. as wishing away okay. the dollar because you know America invests in its tech it's true. the big what you call fangs Facebook Alphabet Amazon all these are American brands so you might say okay we need a 
different uh-huh. currency, but those still will be uh, still service key. providers right. moving forward. So I think for me, the future of currency is almost a future of innovation. Mm. The most innovative countries are the ones whose currency will be needed. So I think it's 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 a huge huge um, indictment on maybe okay. the quality of economic planning over the last 50 years because most African countries are 50 years yet we do very little mm. amongst ourselves True. to try and boost that. Okay, and I'm having a light bulb moment. You see me just staring <laughs> at you because I had never thought of that. That most of the things we produce in Africa are always to export but not to export to the rest of Africa. Yet we have all these Western countries that are actually looking into Africa because we have literally everything that they need. <laughs> and we are importing from them. Okay. I will, we shall definitely record that, uh, that beat for, your, for, for, for of advice from you and uh, circulate it because, yeah, that, that is a source of a lot of policy needs to be put in for for Africa to get out of where we are now and now we are seeing because we are having the dollar shortage then we definitely need to do something and the right time to do it is now I would think but it takes a bit of time in Uganda the the economy grew (coughs) faster in the last financial year uh, than previously anticipated they are just next door so what are they doing right? What was the growth? Uh, what, what was the driver for growth? Has it had um, a positive impact on the consumer index? On their side. Well, I mean, Uganda has been posting some impressive GDP numbers. Obviously, government spending um, is right. significant there. Yeah. The problem, though, with Uganda is, you know, when you look at the inflation numbers, you know, we always complain about inflation being too high. <coughs> Theirs is too low. Oh. The inflation is about maybe 3%. That's and people might think that's a good story. You see, when a, a developing country, uh, huge population growth, yes. inflation needs to be about 5 6%. Uh-huh. When you're at 2 3%, uh, you're very lethargic. It means... Anything happens. Actually, it means nothing is happening, really. Things are so slow <laughs> that nothing is happening. <laughs> That's the challenge that Uganda has been having. So you might have government spending, boosting okay. things. Uh, obviously, the ag sector doing well. But when you look at inflation numbers of 2%, and that's why even here in Kenya, that's there's a lower low. bound. You always talk about the upper bound yeah. of inflation at 75 uh-huh. I'm sure you know there's also a lower bound uh-huh. of 25 Because be- below that, means nothing is happening okay almost you know and somebody has very low blood yeah blood count, yeah. Anemic. yeah so that's my worry for uh, uganda. uganda that it's 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 this the credit systems are not as vibrant okay. to the private sector the private sector is not growing um you know kigali has double digit inflation almost 13 percent wow but a lot more activity mm-hmm. is happening so i'd be very cautious okay um i think the un- especially the banking system in Uganda needs to be a bit more what's the word? Bolder. Okay. Because credit is very, very tight. Lending to private sector is very is very, very tight. So I think that's where 
the transformation needs to happen. I think Ugandan banks need to start believing in Ugandan entrepreneurs. <laughs> Interest rates there are north of 20%. So those wow. are the challenge. When I talk to businessmen running multinationals in Uganda, they always say it's so difficult to get... People coming um, in for facilities. Uh, no, 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 I just talk to business people running okay. business sites in Uganda. They keep saying it's so difficult to get credit from the banks. Actually, what you do in Uganda yeah. is you force your creditors to give your suppliers yeah. to give you credit lines, not the banks. So it's a very, so actually force your suppliers to be your creditors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> internal sources of financing. Right, right. So I think that's really the weak part that I think Uganda needs to be a bit more exciting. Okay. And I think once they crack that, yeah. I think you'll find a whole... Um, a whole vibrant Uganda coming through. And I can tell you the reason why that is was making headlines is because uh, when we look at what is happening in Kenya and um, we have people we just listened to the clip earlier by our energy CS saying that our fuel prices are likely to go up very up actually because uh, for alarm and everybody is saying you know Tanzania just reduced their fuel Uganda has posted positive economic growth. So what are we doing wrong in Kenya? So you putting things into perspective in terms of Uganda sheds light, I can tell you. And we know that the driver of this growth in Uganda is mainly and mostly the government spending. If they are spending on security, if they are spending on... I think it's the same message that we have in Kenya that our GDP is growing, but it's mostly based on a very long-term economic consumption, the roads and such things. So it might not have an effect to myself as the consumer. And in Uganda now we can see interest rates as high as 20%. So does that mean then, because we have Kenyan banks also in Uganda, do they have... Do they conform to that law that the interest rates have to be that high? Or uh, do we have, like, I know in taxation, there's the double double taxation treaty that if you're taxed on this side, then you can't be taxed. But is it the same for the Kenyan bankers on that side? Well, that's an incredible question, Nyambre. In fact, that was my question yeah. <laughs> um, to uh, this colleague of mine okay. who was telling me about the, his experiences yeah. there. And, and in fact, they are the biggest banks, the Kenyan banks. I okay. Ugandan-owned banks are, I mean, Crane Bank, I think. Okay. There are quite few. So it's Kenyan banks right. uh, running running, running the show. Mm -hmm. But I think they have acclimatized they used to, to. <laughs> to that setup. That's yeah. sort of how things have uh, been set up. Interest rates, obviously, yeah. when they are high, yes. even if you wanted to lend, and you're getting high interest rates on government security, Yeah. Um, naturally, you want to be risk averse and buy those securities. So definitely even the Kenyan banks, uh, which obviously know good entrepreneurship for some reason, yeah. adapt. I mean, they're um, also regulated by the, the bankers on that side, so you can't come and give at 5%, yet the government is lending to you. So makes <laughs> sense, I guess. Uh, so but, but it's a very poignant point that yeah. has to be made because somebody listening to this might say, you know, if what you guys are saying is true, yeah. 
then people's lives should be quite difficult. You know, when credit conditions are very, tight. Yeah. People uh, are not people's boring. People's lives then should be very... That's the normal reaction you should yeah. have. But why are we not seeing that? Very averse to spending, averse to literally everything. Right. But why are we not seeing that? And the big, big part is the issue of food. Uganda they is have food, security. <laughs> food. Have food security. Food That's security true. is, I mean, you drop a seed in Uganda and you have it just germinates, right? And as long as that okay. factor is true, then you don't feel the pressures you have in Kenya. Right. See, in Kenya, if you don't get credit, you don't uh-huh. even know you get food and stuff. But there, the agriculture is so big and dominant yeah. that even if you don't have money, you you'll find food at you'll the end of the day. Food. You're not going to starve. And those are the two big okay. dynamics that sort of Separate. the divergence between Kenya and Uganda. Which is interesting. And and, and, and that and I found that extremely fast. And it tells you that when countries invest in food security, yeah. there's a whole system of virtues mm. that, that actually follow through that beyond just GDP. <laughs> and uh, now we are let us discuss fuel. And there was a statement that was made that fuel is likely to get to up to 300 shillings. But at the same time, there was a report that was released by the CBK as uh, that last week on the 2nd that said that fuel prices have been on the low as at last week. So what is the contradiction, Ken? Oh, where is our source of hope? Should we believe CBK energy? <laughs> now we are torn. <laughs> And I want to believe CBK <laughs> because life is very hard right about now. No, definitely CBK has the upper hand okay. and they're more rigorous into this. No, I think that story when it broke out yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, most people were seeing the social media posts. Right. The problem with the uh, posters on social media, they're very tough. Yes. So they don't give you the full the context. context uh-huh. So they tell you fuel will go up by 300. Yeah. But when I listen to the clip, which mm-hmm. you shared with me, thank yeah. you very much. And you listen to what actually Energy Security was saying. Yeah. He was saying that the international dynamics at play. Number one, he quoted a Financial Times article. Right. So what you're saying was pretty much a journalist mm. with his take. Okay. And that journalist was actually drawing from Israel. A larger thinking mm. on the World Commodity Report, which we discussed here right. last week about yeah, last the three week. scenarios. Yes. yes. The best case, mm-hmm. the worst case, and the middle case. Yes. Remember last week we said mm-hmm. the best case is this thing is resolved very quickly. It won't land. You'll just see maybe a 3% increase. Yeah. Um, there was a middle case where it could be somewhere in between. In the then there's a worst case where it could be like the Arab crisis yep. of 1973. Mm-hmm. I remember I said that very clearly. Yeah. So he quickly went to the worst case, <laughs> very quickly, <laughs> and not only did he talk about the worst case, yeah. but he brought it very soon <laughs> to, next week. <laughs> to next week. So obviously, when I, when I when I got that context, I realized then this is this is this is a bit uh, this it's not rigorous. Okay, you wanna look at um, um, CBK and yeah. number two. When he was quoting that Financial Times article, Financial Times tend to look at international oil prices. Yeah. True. Typically, Brent crude mm-hmm. is the international benchmark. Right. What we use here in Kenya and what the CBK tracks is a Marban, Marban oil. So the dynamics are a bit different. So I think 
once people got that context mm-hmm. that the CS was just speculating about some hypothetical world Everything. based on a journalistic opinion, I think we calm down. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but it's presented on social media. Yeah, you don't have that, so I think markets have sort of calmed down a bit. Yeah, based on that, it's called creating a narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. in media, I would know. <laughs> All right, and um, our inflation numbers. They were released, uh, was it last week? Yeah. Um, and they're up from 6.9 to... from. Okay. They're up 6.9 from 6.8. So what caused uh, the 0.1 hike? Yeah, the food and fuel prices mm. obviously are playing in. Um, obviously, the beginning of these um, Israel uh, mass war uh, affects fuel prices. And people always ask, what's the connection between fuel and food prices? Yeah. You see, much of the food we have in the city is grown um, in, you know, the outstations. Yeah. And for that to be transported, obviously, it means the cost of transportation goes up. Hence, the True. food. And we saw items right. such as Irish potatoes yeah. and carrots are really hitting double digits. Wow. In the 20, high 20 uh, um, percents. So that's playing in. The bigger question mm. is how that will influence monetary policy. Because in December, uh, Dr. Kamau Thuge right. uh, will probably be having his biggest day of his career okay. to date. Right. Because he needs to make a decision on interest mm. rates. Do we increase or do we retain? Uh, and the way the shilling is behaving, it's losing value every day. The sad news is, and this will be very unpopular, right. there could be a strong case for... Increase. Not just increasing but dramatically wow. increasing to get ahead of the currency thing because wow. as the shilling continues to weaken, our external debts are becoming more and True. more expensive. Sure. And it's balancing those two. Do we allow our debts to get more expensive? Or do, or do we, we just slam the brakes, put high interest rates and just cool the market? Yeah. Then proceed on with life. So very, very difficult question. But yeah. I think that will be by far the hardest meeting of his life here. And if we cool down the markets, that means that if at all, as a consumer business, I go to my banker and I ask for a facility. It would be so expensive for me. I'll just go back to my supplier and tell them, listen, things out here are very hard. So you have to give me 120, 160 days to pay you back because right about now I do not have that capital that would have facilitated me to pay you on time. Then that means that the banks and I know one of the local banks is actually predicting there's going to be a Kenyan growth in 2024. That means then the banks are going to be lending now to the government because they do have the money that uh, the government needs are those the scenarios we are looking at i love your logic <laughs> i think now you're the economist <laughs> i need to start interviewing you from next week i love but, it but that, that exactly is the most likely sequence that's going to happen where the shilling is losing value right so december comes and the mpc has to meet and oh. mpc will be told look we've had two episodes like this in the past yeah 20 years and, and the answer dead. to that has been not gradually but 
drastic measures have to be made. Drastic increase of interest rates if you want to save the shilling. So they let, let's say they go ahead and do that. Right. Obviously, banks also now start SMSing you, right. telling you your facility, your facility now has gone up. Due to the increase, uh, the increase of, of the interest rate by the CBK, we are informing you that. Mm-hmm. So obviously, <laughs> things become more expensive. So your yeah. consumption and activity True. level Reduces. go up. We'll not be able to meet those mm. robust growth numbers that uh, our friends are, are projecting because of just yeah. uh, the tightness of the market. Non-performing loans yeah. will go up. Also increase. But right. people ask, how can the central bank survive when non-performing loans also are going rise. up? So there's a window, okay. which I think is a small window of opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's something called the cash reserve ratio. This is the ratio of deposits that banks have to keep yeah. with the central bank. True. Yeah. And it's measured every month. Yeah. The central bank could say, instead of measuring it every month, let's extend it to every two, three months. Okay. So you could allow that number to ah. float a bit, but right. as long as within three months, you report you meet that ratio, uh-huh. which banks which mean banks could have a bit more liquidity yeah. to utilize. That's the one window of opportunity that could be played. But my word, Nyambura, the world is looking pretty, pretty <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I don't know if uh, we are meant to stop the show here because my next statement is that uh, the Federation of Kenyan Employers has, they give a press release and they say that there's looming unemployment that is, the words they used was, they have risen to COVID levels. And uh, as you had rightly said, it has been facilitated by the higher taxes and the fuel costs. Now come in the information that we are going to be receiving uh, on the interest rates. And I'm thinking then <laughs> 2024 not to be a prophet of doom, but <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of hope for myself as a businessman. So after this, I want you to give a parting shot <laughs> and you'll have to give something positive because, Ken, we have to leave this studio smiling. <laughs> Trust. I, I think my parting shot, Nyambura, is to speak to the business executive. Right. Because at the end of the day, all this thing boils down to the business executive. Mm-hmm. He understands what's happening abroad, right. in the U.S., in Africa, in Africa, and in Kenya. Okay. Now, it's up to him to make a decision. That's what you call an executive. You make decisions yes, about decision. your business next year. Yes. And right now many companies are doing their strategic plans yeah. for next year. My advice would be particularly to the CFOs. CFOs tend to be the ones who really have to make the hard strategic <laughs> calls. <laughs> is to think hard. Yeah. To think hard. You know, sometimes I've seen CFOs doing strategy and they go and download outlooks on World Bank, IMF, you know, in a very it's projected to grow in by 5.5%. ceremonial way. Yeah. But this year, I would encourage businesses, particularly CFOs, right. to think hard about the state of the economy mm-hmm. and to make realistic projections about 2024. So okay. not bad, not good, but realistic expectations. Have realistic expectations. Right. But that can only be done by going through the numbers 
understanding government's fiscal policy, its monetary policy. There's a euro bond that needs to be paid. Right. You know, international events are. So I think it, if there was ever a time government for spending the CEO. CFO and the CEO to think hard. Right. This is it because you make one bad call, and actually, you can put your business into serious jeopardy. I think that would be my my short. <laughs> <laughs> your party <in> short. <laughs> if my boss is listening i'm in hot trouble <laughs> thank you so much Kerry. it has been such an amazing time on the show uh a pleasure. yes season episode three of our season three and uh, you can catch up on this and every latest episode uh and the previous episodes of financial focus on our capital fm soundcloud page anywhere you get your podcast from for us it is a very good evening thank you again Thank you.